What if there was a different way to live and work beyond the hustle and hype, beyond the never ending race to get more, do more, be more, a way that's nourishing, grounded, creative, and aligned with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Alchemy in Action with me, your host, Amanda Cook. In each episode, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. Join me to create a life and work that truly fit you, infused with meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week I'm back with the final installment of my wellness chat with Kate Thillman of yogahealer.com and Rachel Cook of yogipreneur.com. And this week, we're talking about working online versus offline. So this is a topic that comes up quite a bit, and it's especially relevant for you guys listening to this podcast, because as you know, I'm talking about online marketing and business most of the time, but it can be a big question mark as you're starting your business. Do you need to start working in person? Is that better? Can you start working online? When do you know it's time to start working online? What are the trade-offs of each approach? Because for some things, it might be better in person. Others, it might be better online. So how do you know which approach is best for you? And when are you ready for it? We're talking about all of that and even more. If you've listened to our previous three conversations, you know we get started down this path, but then there's such a wealth of experience in working with wellpreneurs amongst the three of us that we just kind of, it just kind of evolves and is lots of fun. So definitely get a cup of tea and settle in and enjoy this conversation between myself and Kate and Rachel all about working online versus offline. Hello, everyone, and we're back. This is Kate Stillman with yogahealer.com, and I'm back with Amanda Cook of wellpreneuronline.com and Rachel Cook of the yogipreneur.com. I feel like every time now I want to say that you're you're not biological sisters, but you're, you're <laughs> definitely connected in the, uh, in the wellness and yoga teacher entrepreneurial space by more than just your last name. So welcome. <laughs> we're talking about about online versus working in person and what's what's happening. The last talk we did, I think, is going to really tie in, which is around exchanging value in the marketplace. So I'm just going to say that right up front. Like, If you haven't heard that one, you should probably listen to that one after you listen to this one. Who wants to kick this one off around working online versus working in person? Mm, I would love to kick this off because I have a lot of people coming to me who are hearing about going online and they really sounds amazing and incredible. But when I dig into where they are in their business, especially for yogis, it becomes really obvious to me that there's a great time to take your business online. But especially for yogis and people who are doing similar types of work, I find that it's very beneficial to get started first by actually teaching in person and then finding a way to translate that online. I've just found over and over again that that's so important for them to see that real interaction in person. There's something about working with somebody in person, especially because you're doing movement and it it helps. You get so much information in an in-person session with somebody that you might not get going online where you have that kind of distance between the two of you. So I'd love to hear y'all's insight on this. I just really feel passionately that yoga teachers need to teach before they try to take their business online. I mean, I just want to, from what you just said, divide this into a few different categories just from that. So, right. So you've got like movement versus talking and what you're doing online. And then we also have like gaining experience 
and how best that's done. And then we also have something around the energetic exchange that happens in person versus over video or phone or uh, over video or audio. All right. Now that I've categorized the conversation. (laughs) I completely get that with like an in-person therapy movement, something like yoga. I think you would definitely need to do it online. But like if you're doing something like health coaching, I'm not sure I agree you have to do it in person first. But I think Rachel mentioned this in the previous conversation. I think there's huge value and you should absolutely work one-on-one first before you try to create a group program because that working with one person and really getting into like, how is this working for them? Where are their questions? Where are they getting stuck? Like that's what's going to teach you what you need to put into a group program. And so I don't know. I'm not sure if it needs to be in person, but I think it definitely needs to be like a one-on-one connection for that type of something like coaching. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons why I'm just really passionate about this is because what is it like 70% of communication is nonverbal. So it's very challenging to get all the information from somebody if there's a barrier between the two of you. And phone line is just, I don't even see how that would be possible for yoga movement. You'd have to have video. But even then, there's just so much nuance to it that I think there's just something you have to learn a little bit from experience in person in order to make that happen, just on a communication level. Even if you say, like, you could have the exact same words in the session in person and like via Skype, but you're going to know so much more. I feel like if you're in person and this might sound completely woo woo, but I really do think like the minute there's a barrier between you, especially an electronic barrier, like the energy shifts completely. It's just a very, very different energy than if you're in person. I mean, I find video helps quite a bit. Like for me, coaching on just the phone versus with video makes a big difference. Yeah. And it's because you can read, you're really reading the person's body language and facial expressions and all of that. Yeah. So video helps, but you're right. It's not the same as in person. So, I mean, I think there's a few parts of this that I just really want to get just, just, I'm into the theming right now. And like, one is that like, you need experience. So anyone that doesn't have an experience and you don't know how you help people, like you need to take care of that by working with as many people as you can, as much as you can till you know what you do. Yeah. Right. And then a lot of these other issues are going to fall away because you have experience and you're going to know what that long silence on the other end of the line means. And you're going to know how to appropriately respond, whether it's, you know, whether you're on the phone or you've got video or not video or whether you have the crappiest Skype thing and you've already lost connection five times, right? Like a lot of that can get taken care of through just being amazing at what you do. So yeah, in the be- I think in the beginning, like that whole like get experience. Now let's talk too, because I think, I think you're going to really like this, Rachel. I just have this gut feeling. <laughs> you have an amazing market advantage if you're in person. I mean, how much I'm going to charge people to come see me in person is like, it can be way higher than, yeah. than like, what? Because it's, it's um, honestly, like if you actually think about how this works, whenever you have an in-person meeting, someone is usually moving somewhere to somewhere to go there. And usually there's niceties in the beginning and there's niceties at the end. And those take time. Time costs money. Right? Yep. So already, right, there's just, there's just more value being a stage. So if you are like, if you're just starting out and you're just trying to help people and get experience, the market advantage of being in person, it's, it's enormous. More value is going to be exchanged just because you have less stuff in the way and, and, and more of your full on desire to help energy is going to be presence. You can use your hands. You can give people things physically. There's so many more ways to exchange value. So if you're trying to make more yeah. money, and that's what I mean by exchange value is like be more useful, make more money. 
it's a good thing to look at it that way because there's a lot of magic, especially on the Facebook ads. It's like you look in your Facebook ads and be like, just do a five figure webinar. <laughs> you know, have you guys seen those? Like, yeah. <laughs> right? There's like, it makes it look, there's a lot out there that's making it, and I call that the fairy tale, right? Of like, I yeah. just make it all look so easy online and all you have to do this and anyone can do it. And that's, I think, confuses the novice. Well, this is like the shiny object syndrome we were talking about in the last episode. Like, oh, if I just invest in this tool, then I can like push a button and revenue will start flowing. And like, that's just not what happens. The thing is, in order to get somebody to buy from you, they've got to trust you, right? They've got to trust you in some way. And that is a lot easier to build up in person than it is online. So like, I'm constantly telling people, if you're in a position that you need money, do not go online to get money quickly. Like if you actually need a client to like pay your bills the next month, you need to go out and meet people yeah. in person. Because that is not the time to create a new program. No, like. <laughs> <laughs> because, because there's, unless you've been developing this community for several years and emailing them regularly and they really trust you and you've got an audience, then you can create a program and you'll probably get revenue quickly. But for the vast majority of people, you need to get people to trust you. And the way to do that, I think, is in person and face to face where you can really yeah. get that connection. I absolutely agree with this. And I would have to say, because so many of the people I work with are still working locally in person. And the biggest challenge they see when they go online is that something interesting happens. Like you said, it's easier to get them to know, like, and trust you face to face. But the other thing that happens is this the actual length of time it takes to go from meeting you for the first time to being ready to to exchange, you know, payment for services, mm-hmm. that time shrinks, but it almost lengthens out online quite a bit because there are a lot more steps to get to that point where you trust somebody to that, to that level online. So I a thousand percent agree with that, that if you really want to dig in and, and get people to fill your client docket, the best way is just meeting them in person. And even, I mean, I would have to say to Kate's point, like if I were to have someone to fly in to see me for a VIP day and we spend all day together, now the, the amount of time we have together might be like six hours together. It's going to be so much more valuable for them to have that six hours with me in person than if we break it up, up into six one-hour sessions that we do over Skype over a period of time. Just because we, I mean, you can get so much in in person and, and experience so much more than you can. But it is definitely, I feel like, the highest value you can provide. If I want a yoga teacher who's going to come in and do yoga therapy with me, I want someone who is actually going to physically adjust me and who's going to bring some nice essential oils to help me relax or know exactly how to shift me to make me feel better. And they can try to talk me through it online. And I've had that. I mean, I've worked both ways, but there's just something about having somebody there to physically help you with that. Great. So now let's talk more to the uh, person that is already doing both. Cause I think this applies to a lot of people where you're, yeah. you maybe have some online courses or videos or some sort of uh, product, right. Or it's a service like where it's a course, but you're interacting live on webinars or calls, like some, some of these hybrid things um, and maybe still working in person. And, and maybe that's through retreats. Maybe that's through also having drop in yoga classes or doing consultations. So Let's just talk a little bit about because I'm always curious about like where it's all going. Because when I look at like what happened, everything was in person. And then there's been a huge swing of the pulse, the pendulum to putting a lot of things online. Yeah. And then like Rachel just said, like there's a lot of stuff that's actually better in person. 
and can never be that good online. So now there's a little bit of a swing of the pendulum into maybe there's a hybrid emerging where for those of us who are truly experts in our field, right, we, we're probably going to end up working more in a hybridized model where in our services and in our products that we're offering both. I know this is how I operate. Yeah. Um, and I see that's what, this is where the industry is going. So I think it's worth noting, especially for those of you who are like, what, yeah, how do I do both better? Yeah, I really love this because especially for the people I work with, I tend to see that tying back into when we talked about the whole like online and technology, a lot of them really start to feel distanced from their community and the people they're serving if all they're doing is hanging out in their home office. Like they actually start, they come back to me and they're like, okay, I really miss teaching. <laughs> I really miss being in front of people. I miss like people I can actually reach out and touch, not just talk to on Skype. And I totally get that. Like we have this deep seated need for connection. And for a lot of people, that's where the whole fairy tale of online is going to solve everything. You don't realize how lonely it can be or how isolating it can be or how much you just miss people. So I think the hybrid option is just awesome because then you can choose like, okay, when I am in person, what do I really like doing? Maybe it's not teaching just a group class every week. Maybe it's, I want to lead retreats. And if I'm going to do something in person, I just want it to be this incredible experience I'm going to take on. And then everything else is more online. I think finding the right balance of when you are in person, what kind of energy do you want to be spending and what do you want that to look like? It really gives you so much more freedom than if it's like an either or proposition. And I also think if you do a hybrid, it actually elevates the level of your in-person work even more. Like it, it starts to, and I don't know if you guys have seen this, like each time I add a new, a new program, my one-on-one work starts to just like the value to it is even more. And it starts to really create a nice, you know, group of offerings that help me grow my business without me being exhausted or burned out or anything like that. So well, it raises your profile. I think yeah. just like, you know, having a podcast or just, and having these different programs, like as you do this stuff, it positions you as more and more of an expert and then your exactly. one-on-one services become even more valuable. Yeah. But I, think, yeah but I think you were also talking about something else, Rachel, which is that the value that you're able to provide when there's a hybrid, when there's time both online and in person, it actually, there's a lot more value being exchanged now than yeah. if you're working with some people online and some people in person. That's what I was hearing. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, you can layer that value even more. And even in, and this is something I've seen in my own programs. And Kate, I know you have this experience as well in your program. You have coaches who also work with your students. And I've got the same type of thing in conscious business design. I have coaches who work with my students. And I found that this has been an interesting hybrid that not many people in the online space do, where yes, there's a training available kind of like on demand, but there's also access to people who you can talk to. And I feel like that's kind of an interesting hybrid. And I'm seeing more of that start to happen. Like people want more support. Yeah. And they want to be able to talk to somebody and get their questions answered. I have another program that I'm personally taking where there's that, plus there's a live event coming in a couple of months. And this is huge. And it has to go this way for anyone. You know, it has to. I'm just so black and white about this because it's what will happen in such a short period of of time. And I don't actually recommend doing events with people that aren't in your, if you have programs, I would not do a live events with people that aren't in your programs at a certain level of business. I would stop doing that because you're weakening your entire business and you're weakening the the transformation that people can have when the group comes together in person. Well, 
is a little bit off. It's it's back to something Rachel said before. Because I think, or well, you guys were talking about the fact that it seems like it's gone from totally in-person to like everybody's doing something online. And I think that's a yoga thing. I don't think that's the case across the wellness industry, actually. Because I think there's a lot of spaces. Like it's definitely happening in yoga. And mm-hmm. I think in health coaching, a lot of people are trying to do it online. But for example, I'm really into herbal medicine. There are no herbalists online. There are so few of them. Herbalists, if you're listening, massive opportunity, right? And I'm constantly Dude. trying to get the herbalists. Floricopia. 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 They're doing oh, great. Okay. Or him. <laughs> the brand. I don't yeah, even know. David Crow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doing a lot. Yeah. There's yeah. A yeah. Them, I hear like, Especially here in the UK, there's like zero on anything that's happening is in America. And the same thing, I had a client that was an osteopath. Are they online? I don't know if osteopaths are doing stuff online. Or like, I've just had a couple of clients that were acupuncturists, which you would think, oh, you could only work in person, obviously, to do the physical acupuncture. But there's loads they can help people with in online programs. And so I think that movement to online programs, it's still really growing. Yeah, And I think especially for people that are in a field like acupuncture or osteopathy or something where it's maybe in person, there's a huge opportunity for like a hybrid like you guys were talking about. So I think in other areas, that's still like yeah, a let's very talk much about area that. of growth. So let's, let's look at that. Let's look at like an herbalist and how an herbalist would do this. Let's, let's just personally develop the, the um, plant-based human connection market right now please you can do the world of good uh no seriously because like so, plant, like send this send this send this uh podcast to your favorite plant people like the people that are growing plants in your neighborhoods uh, that have the csas that are doing plant walks the people that know the ecosystems right it's such an important thing to get out it's like we need you guys online absolutely and we also need you to be Offline. So wait, no, let me finish this. So when we look at where the market is going, right? And it, and what we see is that carbon footprint's huge. The planet's warming up, the penguins are dying. Like we know this stuff. So when we look at this and we look at like, what is the carbon footprint of how I'm, op- how I'm exchanging value in the marketplace? Like how I'm operating this business? Am I making everyone drive to me all the time? Well, that's foolish. When we could be meeting online a lot and then we could have a full day thing out here in the woods and then we can all do our plant walk. But then when there's all this stuff that we need to learn about the, you know, all these different healing, you know, what's a diaphoretic and what's a demulsant and what's a carminative, right? We can do a lot of that like you guys and I are doing right now. And I can hold up a little thing of like, here, this is the plant in this form and here's how I made it into a tea. Mm -hmm. And we can do a lot of those things that might not actually be as conducive to do in the woods. And we can do those in video format or webinar format or in an audio format. And we're actually adding more value. We're bringing more, you know, plant awareness into our communities. And we've solved the problem of the online in person. But the other yeah. thing you can do, which I'm super, so I love that for like teaching about herbalism, for example. But what if you're a practitioner, right? And so you're an herbalist and you're working with a lot of people. You're prescribing them their herbs in person, maybe. But there's loads of dietary and lifestyle changes and just general support that needs to happen between visits. So you could easily create online support groups for your patients and meet with them once a week on a Zoom call like this. And if you got groups of patients, like a whole bunch of women with hormonal issues or like fertility issues, whatever it is, you could have a call like this. That's huge added value for your patients. It fits into their life because they don't have to drive there. You can still do the one-on-one prescribing, diagnosing in person, but you add all this extra support. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. And the patients, I think, would get a better experience out of it too. 
So I just think there's potential there, but you have to think outside of the box of, well, I only charge $40 an hour for an herbal consultation plus $10 for medicine or whatever. But now you've turned it into a real program, program. a real program that you can say, and here's the process I'm going to take you through. You're going to have this incredible support group. You're going to be able to get you know, access to me and these other people, which is huge. I mean, access to you is like the biggest value add I think you can ever possibly add into what you're doing as a service. And I really love that. And on top of that, even someone like an herbalist, because yes, what they actually give you, I don't want to book on how to make my own herbs (laughs) for that. I want to go talk to you. But I think there's also other levels of like leading into actually working with you that they can provide online. And this is just education. Like I don't know that much about herbs. Like seriously, I've never been to an herbalist. So this is an area where I'm not educated. I don't know if I'm ready yet. But if there was some smaller on-demand programs, on-demand video training, on-demand workbooks or PDFs, like that would guide me towards a consultation with you or that would guide me to your program, that would be a huge plus and a, a huge value add to somebody even who's working in person. Yeah. And then you have an event with all the people that are in that Facebook group, right? Where they have the option of coming together. Could be a bonus, right? That it's just like, hey, this has this bonus. We're all going to hang out for a day. And I'm going to teach a few things, but we're actually going to do these other, you know, we're going to do some group work and we're going to reflect on what we've learned and we're going to bring closure. And then we can upsell to the next thing for the people that want to go into the higher level. So there's, there's, I think it's just worth noting, like for everyone listening of like, wow, how does this apply to me right now? Like what's sparky? I think that it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because a lot of people get into that like, oh, I don't want to work online. But then they realize like, oh, boy, wouldn't it be great if people didn't have to drive as much for these parts that, you know, are like what happens when so like three people from my group miss a meeting? I was interviewing someone around um, book clubs, you know, and, and she was saying like, well, we just we just meet once a month. And and some people are bummed when they can't make it, but they're still involved with the conversation around the studio. And I'm like, are you recording it and just putting it on your website? She's like, no. <laughs> just record the meeting. <laughs> like, make yeah. it so that people that want to listen can still hear if, you know, and then they're even more connected because they actually are, they'll comment then and be like, that was really cool what you said about this book. And I, it just opened up this whole other way for me to see it. And it was so, you know, and then it, we just start to look at everything that way, right? How it's like, oh, it's just the easiest thing. Everyone has a smartphone. Every, not everyone. I think my brother doesn't. But, um, <laughs> you know, like almost everyone has like one of these little headsets that you can just plug in and now you have a mic. Yeah. And you can yeah. add a discussion and you just pass the phone around and it's, it's like the easiest thing, right? And I'm sure there's better solutions than that. But that's the one that everyone already has. And now so you've maybe, added more value. Maybe it's like breaking the stereotype of, I think people will think of working online and they think, oh, well, then I've got to do these launches and I've got to be putting myself on YouTube and I've got to be like all this certain person they think works online. And that's not true. What if that wasn't true? Like, what if you could just like the examples you were giving, just incorporate it, film what you're doing, you know, and then share it so people that weren't there can participate or have support groups or like, where can you use technology as a tool? use the online as a tool just to enhance your customer's experience rather than thinking you have to become some like super blogger, you know, super polished, whatever that, that, you know. Yeah, it can, and it can be so easy. It can be so simple. I have some yoga teachers, for example, who've been really focused on building their private yoga businesses, but they've been adding in this online component simply by they create private yoga practice recordings that are just MP3s that they're like, okay, I'm going to follow up after your session. Here's your practice for the week. 
here's a handout for you. And you know what's amazing is if you do that long enough with enough people, suddenly you build up this incredible library of virtual content. And now it's like you have an on-demand library of yoga practices that you can share. Once you create it once for one student, it doesn't have to have their name on it. It's like, okay, you were working on doing this, you know, XYZ for you right now. Record kind of one that you can repeat. You can rinse and repeat. You can share it with multiple students. And that's such a value add because it's like, okay, I've got this custom created library I can create. I can share with multiple students. Oh my gosh, look at this. I've got 40 recordings here. What could I do with that? Oh, maybe I should put it on a CD or maybe I should make a downloadable playlist. It just takes the smallest little step to get the hang of adding these value added pieces. But suddenly, I mean, I hear from people over and over again, they're like, okay, I started doing this and I realized I had enough worksheets that I could make a complete workbook I could solve. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. It's just little pieces one at a time. It doesn't have to mean, again, you don't have to go straight to big launches. (laughs) And it was coming from being helpful, right? It was like, here's the need. And now I can be, and then all of a sudden we noticed like, oh my gosh, I built a world, right? And I know it, and because it helped this person, chances are it can help someone else. Good. So now let's shift the conversation because we were also wanting to talk a little bit about like, is blogging dead? Like, how do we want, if we do, if we are a little bit more online, do we need to have a blog? Do we need to have a podcast? Do we need to be posting on social media all the time? Like what's, what does that mean to be, online? And what is the best use of our time? I mean, as soon as we start talking about blogging, we're talking maybe, well, actually, let me just present this. When I started blogging, it was more or less just for my students. Because, and the same thing was true with my podcast. Like I already had a student body, basically, or now I call them members, not students. I feel like it's a little less arrogant uh, and more true because a lot of them are are PhDs and MDs and lawyers and they have (laughs) expertise. And I'm like, who am I to say I'm the teacher? I'm just holding this role. So my members it was just an easier way for us to communicate online or there was just like, here, it's all just going to, it's all just going to be there. And then I learned a little bit about marketing strategy and I was like, Oh, I can talk about whatever I want too. And just put this stuff out there and people who are looking for this can find it and then they'll get connected to me. And then they might end up being a member in one of my programs. So is it dead? If we look at this whole thing of blogging and how people are blogging, what part of it might be less effective right now and what part of it is still super effective I really want to talk about this because it's something that, because I'm, I'm in the way I teach marketing, it's very much content marketing focused. So I say, you just have to pick one kind of content, either written, which is blogs or audio, like podcasts or video, right? And I don't know. And I've really been recently thinking, is blogging still worthwhile? Because when I started my natural beauty blog seven years ago, and I was just blogging about all sorts of stuff and I get a really big amount of traffic on that site. And it's because of Google organic search because I've built up with these keywords over the years, not even intentionally. It's just kind of happened that, mm-hmm. that my site gets quite a bit of traffic. But like, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure it like blogging is how it used to be. Because if I think back even a few years, I used to subscribe to loads of blogs. I must have read like 20 or 30 blogs every week. Like I was really into reading blogs. Now I read zero blogs. Like I don't read any. I listen to a lot of podcasts. And yeah. I get updates in my Facebook newsfeed and on Instagram. That's I mean, it's I interesting because so, a lot more experts have books now too, where like their book is more polished than their blog. So it's easier to get the information. I mean, and this is like the books, aren't are you guys always like, I'm like, this is the best book I've ever read. And I can say that every week, like books yeah. have gotten so much They're better. They're so good. And you can just download so many. immediately, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, you went right to, in a way, um, content marketing which is one piece of it, but it still has that marketing component of like, this is how I'm generating leads for uh, something that's paid. 
Whereas what I'm going to is community building. So if we look at the function inherently, it's like, is blogging the best way for our listeners right now to generate people that are going to be great for enrolling in their products and programs and services, right? Or is there another better way versus what is the best way on, you know, in my online presence for me to connect with my community and build with the community that is around my business? And this, you know, yeah. for a good book on this, we could go to like Seth Godin Tribes. That's the sort of the original work in this way of thinking. Yeah, I would say for me, it's two different, completely different things. Like where I go to establish my, I guess, expertise, credibility platform is still blog, podcast, and especially email list. Email list is, I mean, I can decide that I want to publish a blog or post a podcast, whatever, but either way, they're still likely going to get a reminder from me via my email list. It's the biggest way I have to just but it's going to bring them from an email to a website, right? Yes. And so then all of a sudden, something that might like too big a piece of content, like a video, which yeah. you can't send out through a newsletter. Now there's a place for them to see it that's not on YouTube. It's in a controlled environment. Yeah. It's so in I your still home send online. people that way. I still send a lot of people that way. But as far as the community building aspect, I mean, honestly, for me, it's been a Facebook group. Not a Facebook page, a Facebook group. I stumbled on this by accident. About two years, I started a Facebook group for a free challenge that I ran. And it happened to be like two months before Facebook changed all their algorithms and like all of our page views just dropped completely and reach dropped completely. But I have to say, groups are meant for communities. If you really want to get to know the people in your community and you want to provide just insane, useful value, not just sharing your content, like those types of groups, no one actually participates in. They don't actually have conversations because all that's going on is like a big pitch fest. But the groups where everybody's having conversations and asking questions and trying to get support, I've seen this happen. For example, in the DC yoga community, they started a Facebook group that was like the Washington DC Yoga Teacher Collective, I think is what it might be called. But they are so insanely helpful to each other and useful to each other and answer each other's questions and share what they're up to. I mean. That's real community building to me. And I can also, I mean, I've seen people do it in multiple different ways, but I think Facebook groups are one of the places that not many people think of to use as a way to start building your platform. But if you create one and just start answering questions and talking to people, having like real conversations, it will drive boatloads of people who know, like, and trust you back to learn about what you have, even without like hard pitching them or spamming them with links to your website. Mm-hmm. That's totally this is such a Yeah, and that's such a great point, but like it's gonna go it's it's uh as soon as you're trying to it, you know what I mean? As soon as it's like, oh, and there's this resource that answers this question, so I don't have to write about it for five minutes. Like where is it gonna go? Where is that link? You have go to go to, to your website. Yeah, that's how you website. need a website. But see, this is where so I think and you need, this is where you need a blog to have that content. This distinction right? so, between community yeah. versus marketing. Because the blog, the reason the blog has value, I think, is so you show up in Google search results because you will at some point, if you're writing about your topic, like new people will find you that way. If you are smart about making your blog posts, like the titles of questions people are asking in your niche, right? Yeah, you're going to start showing up and as a place to send people back to, or you could send them to an opt-in on the landing page, like download my free guide on whatever. But yeah, you need resources there. But I don't see the blog as really like building community. Like I don't think having a blog is going to make you famous anymore. Like you have to do something else on top of that. And I think a Facebook group is, is great for that. Actually, I was, yeah. I started my podcast two years ago and it was growing, 
but I never felt, and I got some comments on the show notes and, but it very much felt like a one-sided conversation. And then finally I started a Facebook group last year and that has just been incredible because suddenly there's a real community where they all talk to each other. And that's where I think the real value is. It's not just me talking at them, but it's like suddenly I've made this space where they can all connect. And so I think, I mean, that's exactly what Rachel said. When you can make those kind of spaces, that's where you get like real engagement. And it's so cool because the two pieces work together so incredibly well. Like if you have, whether it's a blog or a podcast, podcast or whatever, that should be showing up in the search results of Google. That is what helps drive more organic traffic to your site. But here's the thing, when you have that community and you're basically having a like test group here that's telling you, here's exactly what we're struggling with. Here's the problems we're having. Here's where I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. It's like, they're giving you the answers for what they want to hear from you. And so now your content gets better. You know, you write more accurate blog posts. You give a better podcast, like everything becomes better. And so they start sharing it more. And as they start sharing it more, you know, it, it goes up in the rankings. It gets more people coming to it and they keep talking because they're like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this. So I think the two together are really powerful because you're co-creating with them. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, you're taking what they're saying, you're taking their input and then really not just like, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I know what they want, but they don't actually do anything with it. But the minute you're like, okay, Hey, this topic came up and I talked about it on my podcast. Here's the question that so-and-so wrote about. Mm -hmm. They're like mind blown. I can't believe you answered this question. And I think that's really what I was going to. It's like, it's a, it's the, there has to be a body of work that supports the conversation. Where the conversation happens with the tribe is, yeah, like that's going to be on Facebook or somewhere else that like, uh, you know, it's going to happen in a Google circle or whatever. It's going to be somewhere where there's interaction. Yeah. It's such a great distinction, right? Of like, where is the body of work that, that supports the community, right? Where's that going to live? Yeah. And then it's got to live somewhere, whether, I mean, and if, you know, for some people who just have their podcast in, in iTunes and they don't have it on their, on their website, it's, it's hard because there's no home, right? There's no home for that space. So just in tying the conversation back about like in person or online, either way, what we're discovering, right, is that we end up creating a body of work, just like Rachel said, with those audios that are part of the privates for, um, for the private yoga student. All of a sudden there's this body of work or there's all these worksheets that can become part of a workbook. And if people have access to the same content, then the conversation is much deeper, right? It's like why when there's no content in a group, it doesn't go anywhere. Like the conversation is kind of like, but if people are listening to the same podcast or they've read the same um, blog post or they watch the same video or they tried the same recipe, right? And all of that lives on our site. Now, all of a sudden there's, there's a place for traction. At least that's what I'm really experiencing. Totally. Yeah. So where do you start? Because I think for somebody listening to this, they're like, oh my God, I need a body of work and it has to be on my site. And then I have to have a place for engagement. And like, it can seem, you know, it's not like you just click your fingers and this all appears overnight, right? It's yeah. like, you just, right. where would you guys recommend that you start, start to build this? I mean, if they haven't started creating blog posts or anything like that, like they don't have content, they don't have materials that are ready, then I would start by honestly creating a Facebook group because you can fill it with people you already know. You can start the conversations and let them tell you what they want. And in the couple of you know weeks or months it takes for you to really get a kind of an understanding of what they want you to talk about, you can start writing those or recording those or whatever, and then launch a great site or a brand new blog or a brand new podcast with a few things ready to go that are like, 
boom, here we go. Here's, here's the beginning of this. I, that's where I would start. I totally agree. Like Facebook is like the easiest for most of us who work with women in that sort of, you know, 30 to 65 age range. It's like, it's where people already are. And that's all I was going to say is like, you go to where your people are. Yeah, Yeah, totally. So I think, I think if you're just starting out, what I'd recommend is you sign up for MailChimp and then you figure out what's like the one big problem you can solve for people, like your one issue and create an opt-in gift around it. So you've got something that you can give to people and then go in other Facebook groups where they're already hanging out and just kind of participate in the conversation and see what they're talking about. And then, and if you're allowed, you can share your opt-in there, but you have to be a bit careful about that. But just like start to go where they are, you know? And then, and then as you start to get people coming into your world, then yeah, creating your own group's awesome. It's a great idea. Or take both of our ideas together and have a super idea. <laughs> <laughs> create an opt-in gift in your own Facebook group and like and it looks <laughs> fast track yeah. on Oprah yeah nice. awesome well good I mean I think this is a good this is a good introductory conversation on like online or in person and what's happening in this in this whole space at so many different levels thanks thanks you guys this, so much fun. Fun. this has been awesome yeah this is awesome Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get all of the links to everything we discuss in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. So that's it from me for this week. Have a fantastic week, and I will see you back here next Monday with the next episode. Mm-hmm.